Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What is the Bible for? What are its connections with the paranormal? Is the Bible or the paranormal too negative? Well, hello there and welcome to the 405th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and those pretty unusual questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So this evening, we're dealing with, uh, well, what is for us a pretty unusual subject, which is kind of weird because we deal with a lot of unusual things here. Uh, well, the subject itself is the Bible. Uh, but there are plenty of paranormal connections here, so bear with us. But first, it's time for our weekly paranormal contest. So last week's question was, on what date was the first reported sighting of the Loch Ness Monster in the 20th century. Well, Meg Myers of Northbridge, Massachusetts, was the first to get that one, right? July 22nd, 1933. On that fateful day, Mr. and Mrs. George Spicer were in their car traveling north, I should say traveling down the south shore of Loch Ness, when a wide-bodied serpentine neck uh, appeared, and there was had a dead sheep in its mouth, and there was lumbering across the road in front of them. So this sighting was not of the creature in the water. It was of the creature crossing the road. Huh. Why, did the cre- ways. Why did the creature cross the road? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Stop laughing. All right. <laughs> so this, this, week, this okay. week's question is, this is my line, this Sorry. week's question is, uh, what hill in Quebec is often considered that province's most active paranormal hotspot? So get that right and win a copy of Footsteps in the Attic, my dad's most popular book. And we do welcome callers this evening, the numbers locally or from Canada, 401-766-1240. Again, that's 401-766-1240. Let's use that. Let's leave it at that because uh, yes, our know. guest is using the toll-free line, so nobody can call on that. Anyway, so we won't give you that number. But anyway, 401-766-1240. We have an unusual guest uh, with an unusual subject this evening. Eliza Wood, not to be confused with Elijah Wood the Hobbit, is the author of Unafraid, I should say, is an author Unafraid of Controversy, quote-unquote. Good. Known for suspense fiction that weaves history, terrorism, espionage, and adventure into complex social problems, Eliza has, quote, taken on the daunting task of re-editing the Bible in an effort to bring relevance and understanding across all religious lines, unquote. A social science graduate of Harvard University, Eliza is considered, quote, a social thought instigator on important topics requiring peaceful social progress, unquote. Residing in California, Eliza has lived and traveled extensively throughout the world, including living and working in Europe, Latin America, the Caribbean, Asia, and most recently was a resident of Bahrain. And before we begin, let me say that we have no religious agenda on this show. Uh, we are interested in depth and as much accuracy as can be attained. We're, we are not tolerant of political correctness, spin, or any of that stuff. Uh, whether it's in history, theology, or anything else, because it's all of profound relevance to what we so understa- understatedly refer to as the paranormal. So Eliza's website is www.progressplanet.com. So Eliza Wood, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Thank you. It's great to be here. Oh, and it is wonderful to have you. So before we even get into the paranormal implications of well, all of this, my dad and I are curious about a, th- uh, well, a few things. So you are re-editing the Bible. What's what's that about? Well, the Pacific Bible is a Bible I've been working on for a long time, and it really archives. Uh, it's 
an usual, familiar feeling, Bible. And uh, it, I'm sorry, I hear an echo. Is, you, is that happening there? I'm sorry, I don't hear anything here. Okay, perfect. If, if you'd like, we can call you back on the regular line if there's a problem. Um, but your audio sounds pretty good, actually. Okay, excellent. Yeah. So, really by archiving about 400 verses from traditional Bibles um, that promoted things like rape, genocide, human sacrifice, slavery, um, things related to uh, types of sexuality or um, uh, property, you know, the treatment of women as property, that type of a thing, or general subjugation of women, cannibalism, other problematic practices that are throughout the Bible. Um, we really tried to create a version of the Bible that is more family-friendly, more contemporary, and more supportive of American values. Well, all right. So maybe we have your abridged bio, but there's not really any mention of any formal education in theology, philosophy, biblical studies, anthropology, archaeology, ancient languages, history, literature, or anything whatsoever that's relevant to doing anything but read the Bible. So what quali- qualifications do you have to do what you're talking about? You know, this was the way that I grew up. I had a very interesting family life. My dad had his doctorate in divinity from Yale, and my mom had her doctorate in divinity, I mean, in doctorate in education from Harvard. And these were the topics of my family dinners. So these Hmm. were discussions that we had. Ours too, sometimes. Exactly. And so, you know, these these were such familiar um, fields to me and fields that I studied deeply throughout my own education. Um, I did minor in archaeology, and I do speak four languages, including Hebrew. So there are, um, I do have some depth in, in related fields. But these were things that I learned over a period of about 30 years and uh, just c- constantly reading the Bible and stumbling as I read on verses that uh, promoted something like genocide. And I would say, wow, you know, how could we, how could we possibly have modern scripture and expect our people, and, and I mean not only Christians, but Jews, anybody who has a, an organized faith system around the Bible, you know, how can we promote uh, peace and nonviolence if we still have so many problematic verses in the Bible? All right. Uh, can you give some examples of what you want to re-edit? I, I, I guess you already did in a way, but what, what are you going to yeah. do with like Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, you know, my I had a wonderful um, opportunity to interview an expert on Sodom and Gomorrah, who is the founder of uh, Religion Dispatches, which um, you know really talks about that. If you really read the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah, they aren't really related to what um, what mo- most modern people, uh, or at least some of the more literal, uh, more fundamentalist uh, Christians, uh, take to, to be the, the sort of Levitical uh, version of um, um, 
being so against homosexuality, and they were they were um, considered corruptions and other things. But you know, my my take on sexuality in in general in the Bible is that um, sexuality is practiced uh, in in and preached in in all modern uh, synagogues and churches as um, you know in a very different and more modern context than it did in biblical times when, um, you know, the traditional family may have been a man, his wives, his concubines, and, you know, his slaves and a number of other people. So my take on all sexuality in the Bible is that it it, it has to be, um, it, it, that we can't read you know, an ancient um, set of scriptures um, and interpret it and, and expect that our children will understand it and and, um, and be in sort of equal footing relationships now. So, uh, so we have some of those verses, of course, were some of those that were archived, but, and there's no way to, you know, if, 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 somebody really wanted to take all the violence out of the Bible, it would be a very, very hard thing, as you probably know. Well, okay, uh-huh. but, but do you have a question? Then? Well, it sounds like you're just talking about the the Old Testament or the Torah, but what about the New Testament? Well, the New Testament doesn't go a long way to overrule uh, some of these practices, whether they were um, slavery or um, other things. And so... The, you know, the New Testament is arguably much more peaceful. Um, well, can, can I just in, interrupt you? I mean, you're, you're right. As a matter of fact, I had a, an Old Testament professor who, who suggested that he had doubts whether the God of the Old Testament was really even the God of the New Testament because there seems to be such a difference. I mean, so I see your point. But, but on the other hand, uh, are, are you not ignoring the idea? And I, I want to get into the paranormal aspect, so please be patient. Okay, sure. But... Um, I just, it, it kind of, two things bother me here. One is, uh, at least the way you're describing it, you're, you're not considering the historical context of the societies that, that the Bible was talking about. You're talking about all the way from just past the Sumerians, really, all the way up through uh, the Roman Empire and, and, and the, you know, the Hellenistic societies of that period. And I think to, to ignore the value of the historicity of that is a problem. And secondly, to apply 21st century principles and standards to people from the past, I've, and, and my other hat is that of a historian. I've written a couple of books on history. It bothers me because it's not fair. You know, and, and I understand what you're trying to do, but can't you just write a separate book that, that, that sort of, it sounds like you're doing violence to the, the, the historical facts, because uh, there is dispute about the, the factual nature of the Bible, but the more archaeology that's done, the more it's, it's uh, found to be uh, you know, accurate in many ways. Uh, what say you on that? I mean, the, some of these things, a lot of these things are just in historical context. Are you going to take those out? Well, uh, you make a real a good, short book. You make, exactly, exactly, and that's, that's part of my point here. Well, the reason for it is that you know, we, we have a growing trend especially in our country, we have right now about 100 million people who believe the Bible is the absolute 100% Word of God that they should follow um, and that it is inerrant and that, and that sort of thing. Now, there are people like you 
who will take it in a historical t- context and and say, well, that's the way things were. Isn't that interesting? Uh, and that that isn't how we are now. And be able to make that distinction. And there are other people, and many of them, who absolutely believe that we should take all of our guidance and all of our modern practices from biblical lessons. And so therein lies the problem. So my recent book that just came out, which is Crisis of Faith, is a suspense novel that really deals with the fact that, um, you know, modern uh, Christian terrorist movements also draw... Christian uh, terrorist movements? Well, when you think about the white supremacist groups... um, But they don't call themselves Christians. Well, yeah, some of them most do. of them are atheists, actually. No, no, some no, some of them do call them, but I mean. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, Eliza: Have you uh, have you already re-edited the Quran? Because I've counted in reading it several times, I've counted at least one hundred and eight uh, references that call Muslims to go to war with quote infidels to foster Islamic world rule, and some actually go as far as saying to lop off fingers and heads. Yeah. Have you re-edited the Quran uh, first? You know, there, the Quran is a um, an interesting other scripture, and there are many yeah. other other religions that have tons of violence in their scripture. Yeah, the Mahabharata, oh. the Gita. You oh, know, I exactly. Mean. They've, many, many, many religions can justify violence. Now, there's a guy named Philip Jenkins, head of religion, I think, at Penn State, a marvelous guy who wrote a book called "Laying Down the Sword: Why We Why We Can't Ignore." Let me read you the title. Why? We can't ignore the Bible's violent verses. And his argument, his, his comparison, what it is, is a big comparison of the Bible to the Quran in terms of violence. And he really goes a long way into showing that, well, the Bible is a much longer book than the Quran, and it has like a seven to one, uh, ratio of violence. The only, the huge difference there is that most of these biblical enemies in our Bible um, are no longer around. And so there are these like ancient groups that you're reading about and so you take them in much more of a historical context. Whereas the Quran still has, you know, Muslims really pitted against groups um, religious Yeah, that, groups, that's my point, yeah. You know, that are still around like Jews and, you know, Christians and others. And so, um, you know, and so it's not like they're still fighting um these, these battles. And so, you know, there are some real challenges uh, when you get into many scriptures. Um, well, it, it just strikes me, uh, you know, with all due respect, as kind of a shallow approach. Uh, but but let, let's move on to what, you know, other things. Maybe we can have some other form in which to discuss that. But, um, okay, the uh, what, what do you believe the purpose of religion is? Oh, I think, I think a religion is really a, a medium for, for culture and for um, uh, just a, a, a wonderful perspective uh, on uh, the guideposts that we give ourselves in society and the context in which we understand our lives. Uh, in the book that I, that I was just talking about, Crisis of Faith, which is a suspense fiction book that I worked on, um, it is you know extremely respectful of all modern religions, and religions just do tremendous, have the power to do such tremendous good in the world, and and if you think about, you know, where we are as a society with them versus where we would be without them, I mean, they just 
are so powerful in terms of their potential for um, for goodness and and the reality of the goodness that they bring. All right, uh, we, we're going to we got some talking points from your people and uh, Ben. If you wanted to, we just sort of wanted to go through some of those and then get into some of the paranormal aspects. Hold on, hold on, let me find them. Oh, okay, there. Yeah. All right. Um, so as you as you my father just said, we uh, receive talking points from your people, and our people talk to your people, and your people <laughs> talk to our people. So you say religion is supposed to impi- inspire uh, peace and positive communal conduct. So what gave you that idea? Religion has very little to do with that, Frank. But go ahead. Well, religion is a is a wonderful um, mechanism for people to collaborate and um, you know interpret uh, what you know what scripture means and and translate that into all kinds of wonderful outreach programs and um, support programs for their communities and. You know, it's it's a vehicle for goodness uh, beyond what what you might think. So, by comparison, look, you know, think about like the agnostics or the atheists who don't have an an overarching organization, um, so they don't have, in some ways, the power to do a whole lot of good. All right, so it's sort of a social service. I I don't know. Again, I I think that's not our experience at all. Our view of religion and science, for that matter, that they are both sort of children of the paranormal. In other words, I'm going back to its remotest beginnings. They both resulted, in, in my opinion, from people's desire to explain things. Now, in religion's case, one of the main things they wanted to explain was contact with what they considered supernatural beings. What those were or are is another subject, but you don't seem to consider that. The result was really shamanism, and then came the clergy, who were sort of administrators of the dogma, and then institutionalization, and then religion was used for social cohesion and and all that kind of good stuff. But essentially, it reaches to the, the core of what the human beings are, tells us about ourselves. The Bible, in my opinion, is one of the books that, 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 uh, that unveils our nakedness and the very faults that we have, that, that we need to learn from, past or present, seem to be what you want to take out. Terrible as they may be, they teach a lesson, and, and we hopefully will learn from it. We haven't learned an awful lot, but maybe we're getting there. It's supposed to be the human response to contact with the divine. Well, it may supposed to be that, but there are plenty of moms in the world like me who don't want our kids reading verses that say, it's okay to have a slave, it's okay to beat your slave. Where does it say it's okay to have a slave other than reporting that there are slaves or how slaves should act in the context of their societies? Well, if you you look at um, verses like if you uh, look at Leviticus 19.20, you know, you can see that it's okay, it's okay to rape your slave if you then go sacrifice an animal. And you can see verses, um, you know, many, many. I mean, there are something like 1,315 verses in the Bible, you know, some of them saying it's okay um, to kidnap and rape an enemy woman or to obliterate an entire village but just save the virgin girls for, you know, for the spoils. All right. Okay. I I see your point. All right. You made your point, but I I would need to look those up and I need to read them in Hebrew in order to see what they really are because you're aware that the English translations 
every single one is really pretty awful of both the Old Testament and the New Testament. So, and, and as a matter of fact, I would find it difficult working with the text because we don't know what the original words actually were. I've actually seen things like the Codex Alexandrinus and the uh, ink leaking through a page uh, turned a, an Omicron into a Theta and therefore totally changed the doctrine of Jesus Christ in one of the books of Tim. I mean, th- this is the kind of thing that happened. I've seen I've seen documents where where the, the ancient scribe wrote, "Why did you change what this originally said?" to his fellow scribe, and we don't know what it's. It, 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 you can go bonkers just trying to figure it out. Oh, it's so true. I just read that there was a verse in, um, you know, in in Romans that for six hundred years had one of the apostles named uh, Junius, which was a uh, no a Junia, which was a female name and then after 600 years it starts appearing as junius a male mm. name so yeah, by changing have... like one letter uh, eliza you know. sorry to interrupt but we have a caller Please. so um hello welcome to behind the paranormal yeah good evening paul and ben and eliza how are you good evening you have oh, a question well I, I i have a pertinent comment um i'm sure you're both aware of the man named richard dawkins yes the avowed uh, atheist from his book uh, the god delusion just a paragraph what he says about the Bible. He says, the Bible is not evil, just weird, as you would expect, of a chaotically cobbled together anthology of disjointed documents composed, revised, translated, distorted, and improved by hundreds of anonymous authors, editors, and copyists, unknown to us and mostly unknown to each other, spanning nine centuries. Uh, Eliza, comment? Beautiful, oh, beautiful, beautiful quote, and thank you so much for that comment. You know, the until about a hundred years ago, there were a lot of people who treated the Bible as an ancient collection of scriptures, mm-hmm. and it's only been in the past hundred years or so where you know people have taken this collection and considered it one um, authoritative, you know. Uh, a book uh, from God that directs everything, and if you look at the numerous contradictions in the Bible, you know you, it's much easier to take it in the context that you just mentioned. And you know, and then, on the topic of religion, I um, uh, many years ago I used to study Rosicrucianism, and they said religion is not an open study of life, but is rather a perpetuation of certain concepts of life as expounded by one or more individuals. It attempts to set standards of morality and behavior upon the basis of these concepts. So religion is mainly a power grab and a disinformationist uh, vehicle. Well, Well, it's it's certainly been misused. I'm sorry, go ahead, Elijah. You know, I've been studying a lot, too, about new religions and the, the... about, you know, religions that may not even be based on the Bible. They could be based on a work of fiction, mm-hmm. such as the, the big, uh, there's a, something called the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, which, which, <laughs> oh, is, yeah. which is a phenomenal group that, you know, has based theirs. And we, I've, I've interviewed the, the, uh, the, um, uh, the Dudley Lama, who, I don't know if you're familiar with, with the um, um, Dudism, religion, which is based on a movie. Yeah, The Big Lebowski. The Big Lebowski. And so there, and there are Jediism, which is a whole group of people. You know, so there are, 
there are really interesting groups who are considering themselves real modern religions and believe that these works um, are as valid and, you know, um, you know, inspirational as okay. I don't mean yeah. to interrupt you here, but we have to take a commercial break, and, and then we're going to try to kind of work the paranormal in here after the break. Okay, so sure. Everybody stay with us. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON, 1240 AM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. Stay with us. The Reindeer Games are here. Listen for your chance to call in and play the Reindeer Games here on ON 1240. If your reindeer comes in first place in the race, your name goes in the prize bucket five times. If your reindeer comes in second place, it goes in three times. And if it comes in third, it goes in one time. Now, to better your chances of picking the right reindeer, you need to pick up a tip sheet at one of our sponsors. Simon Chevrolet, 114 Port and Drive, one socket. Tip sheets are in the service department. Dean Bank, two locations, 411 Pulaski Boulevard, Bellingham, and 8 Main Street, Blackstone. Tip sheets are in the main lobbies. Lincoln Mall, George Washington Highway in Lincoln. Tip sheets are near the Santa Claus location. And the WOON Studios, 985 Park Avenue, Woonsocket. Tip sheets are at the reception desk. We'll award prizes on Christmas Eve. The grand prize is a two-night stay at the Midtown Hotel in Boston. Second prize is a one-night stay at the International Inn and Suites on Cape Cod. And third prize is lift tickets to Wachusett Mountain. Reindeer Games all December long on your holiday station, ON 1240 WON, One Socket Radio. And here we are again, and our guest is Elijah. Eli- I keep saying Elijah. What I'm sorry, Elijah. <laughs> Eliza Wood. Uh, we're talking about the, rewriting the Bible. She's the editor of the Pacific Bible, and we've been talking about Bible stuff. Let's try to get the paranormal back in, into the show here. Now, of course, the Bible, as we said before, has lots of paranormal implications and connections and hints and uh, interesting uh, sorts of stuff about that that subject. Uh, is there anything? That there are a lot of unpleasant things that have paranormal implications, Eliza. Have you done anything uh, about the, uh, for example, the, the uh, Gerasene demoniac, where the pigs all run and jump in the water and are killed and all this business, and um, things like Sodom and Gomorrah? I mean, what, 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 what is your opinion on that sort of thing? Does that have any use in your world? Well, you know, I do a lot on my website, the Progress Planet website, with weird religion. I couldn't get the site. Are you sure it's up? We have it on our site with a link, and and we're going to give you a chance to talk about it in your book before the end of the show. Yeah, it's just, it's progressplanet.com. Okay, yeah, because I I couldn't, uh, it wouldn't come up for me. I don't know. Maybe it was just some kind of... Well, the internet's been very sketchy lately. Yeah, it's kind of of weird. Uh, Well, there's a whole section on weird religion that I write about, and a whole section on science and religion, and pop culture and religion, and what is God, and world religion. And some of the, you know, sometimes I write about things like astrology and religion, or superstitions and religion, like why why do we believe, and and things like that. And so those are some of the areas that I try to, um, you know, to really write about. Recently, I wrote a lot about, for, for example, like things like Scientology or little cults and what is a cult um, and that type of thing. All right. Well, I'm trying to get some examples here. Uh, let me give you another example. The Pillar of Fire from Exodus. Uh, some of our colleagues interpret that as a UFO. It supposedly protected the Israelites in the desert and then pancaked the Egyptians. Is that not acceptable? Oh, I don't know. I I, I recently read that um, I, w- I recently read wrote a uh, three part blog about 
various people who were claiming to be the Messiah. And first I did Christians who have claimed to be the Messiah, and then I did Jews, and then I did Muslims, and then I sort of did other. And in the other category, there was a whole UFO theme to it. So it, I, it certainly could be uh, relevant. Well, I, the thing is, are, are you taking out the God not being nice to the Egyptians? Oh, uh, well, the Pacific Bible is, is a very separate project, and it's a, it's a big, long uh, initiative to uh, create a more modern, family-friendly uh, Bible that's consistent with our American values of equality uh, and um, freedom and that type of thing. Well, there are two but, entirely different Americas right now. Which one are you serving? Which two are you talking about? Well, if this were regional, we'd be looking at another civil war. Anyway, okay, that's not paranormal. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's back up. Just stick to the paranormal. It's okay, the point sorry. Of the show. Yes, Ben, you're right. You're absolutely right. Okay. Uh, the entire issue of uh, demonology, as it's so, I don't like the term, but it's it's called that, the, the issue of uh, possession and all this business that, that that's happening in the Bible uh, on several levels, uh, is that... As I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to see. Gonna, I'm trying to see here if you're going to, uh, or if you have uh, sort of taken out the paranormal context here. Or what and what's your interpretation is of the paranormal events and uh, what what you might do with them in the Pacific Bible? For, for example, the the ascension oh, of Christ or the the demon situations. Oh, I none of that has gone anywhere. That's all there, and. The, the truth is that what I tried to do with the Pacific Bible was really create a Bible that, that's pulled into compliance with modern human rights standards. So it really doesn't get into, in fact, there's a section in the, the book that I just wrote, Crisis of Faith, all about the miracle. And if you think about a miracle or any of the paranormal type things, um, you know, it's very, very, um, you know, prevalent throughout the Bible. So those are good things. And, well, they're very interesting, and they they certainly point to, if not paranormal, you know, a belief in, in, in certainly miracles and things that, that happen um, for reasons caused by God in the Bible um, that haven't happened since. All right, let's go through, well, let's go through, haven't happened since. Um, well, you don't see, you don't haven't heard that God came down and parted the water, or caused the victory in a battle, or you know that. Well, once in a while we do hear, you know, for example, that healings and particularly health-related outcomes. We um, see that all the time. Some, yeah, when I was yeah, in the military, something I was caught in an avalanche. Something pulled me by the arm out from under eight feet of snow. Had that not occurred, this conversation would not be taking place. I think miracles happen every day. Exactly. So those types of things we do hear about. One of the blogs I just recently wrote about was the near-death experiences. Sure. And, you know, the kinds of visions that people have and the consistency of that. And what does that mean? Or angels in our midst. You know, those types of things. Yeah, what's your interpretation of that sort of thing? I mean, are, are you a believer... In other than anything other than sort of social justice, whatever that means. I mean, do you do you uh, do you have a commitment to a particular um, point of view? You know, just, that goes a little deeper. It seems to me well, that social justice comes from your commitment to a deeper belief. 
Maybe I'm you know, wrong. I don't know. It, it's very true. I have obviously I have a, a deep commitment. Yeah, I don't mean to pry, but you know, to human rights standards and, and that type of thing, and all all things good for the equality of people and nonviolence. But the truth is, I, I have a I I have seen many miracles in my own life, and including um, you know a really miraculous healing. I have a, a son who had a terrible um, a terrible disability who has been a, one of those rare medical miracles that I, um, you know, every day of my life thank God for. So those types of things have touched me personally. Well, that's a wonderful thing to hear, yeah. On the issue of um, the origins of the human race, religion, and even, I suppose, the Bible, discussions sometimes come up on this show about... Um, interference from somewhere or somewhere else. Whether it be aliens, us from the future, us from the past, us from parallel universes, or other creatures from parallel universes, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, it all comes up now and then, and, you know, we we have our own position on that and whatever, but, you know, what, what, have you considered that at all as far as uh, the origin of some of the unpleasant stuff in the Bible? You know, I, I have to tell you, I really started with the project of looking at the Bible and saying, a lot of people lean on this, and how can we how can we really promote the positive lessons and the positive uh, things that are in this Bible, and sort of mitigate and archive some of the stuff that isn't serving any modern purposes anymore. No one's teaching, for example, um, you know, rape or slavery or any of that. So I really didn't go into a lot of the. Well, I don't know. There's an awful lot of that still going on in the world. Yeah, well, there's tons of it, but you don't hear it in your sermon on Sunday. Generally not. <laughs> and you don't you don't have your kids coming home from Sunday school learning lessons about the fact that you know it's okay to have slaves and stuff. I mean, they have sort of scrubbed out what they don't want to promote anymore. It's just that these stuff really it still is in the Bible. So you believe the Bible should be a, a living thing that's kind of changing all the time? I do. Yeah. All right. Okay, uh, do you have any other, Ben, do you have any further questions? Uh, uh, wait a second, there was actually a point to this question, but it somehow got um, got diluted into something else. The, uh, let me, I, I was actually going to say something, but I can't remember. Well, what, oh, oh, I remember now. Um, so why do you think all this paranormal stuff, if, if they weren't acts of God, just other random things, why were they put into the Bible? Well, she didn't say she didn't believe there were, were no, acts I'm, of I'm God. No, I'm just asking why they yeah, would be. Right. Like, is there I, some sort of social I, implication, or... I don't know that anybody could answer that question. The, the truth is, how do we know why anything was put into the Bible? Or why do people believe, you know, December 21st is the end of the world, or, you know, any any of the things that we do believe? I think people have a need to understand why they're here, and what they're supposed to do here, and where they go next, and how to interpret the death that's around us and that type of thing and how to behave toward one another and so um, those are struggles that people have had since the beginning of time Mm. well that's what we believe were the origins of both science and religion really yeah Okay, well, before we go any further, I want to, because we have a tendency to burn up the time here, I want to give you a chance to talk about the book and the website and uh, whatever else you may be working on oh, thank you so much well, the website, the Progress Planet website, if you go to progressplanet.com, there's a beautiful copy of my um, children's book, which is free. 
And I like to tell people about it, so go there. It's called The Tale of Queen Jehan and the Three Kingdoms, and it's a beautifully illustrated book that teaches sort of intercultural, interracial, and ethnic cooperation. Um, and it does it through the metaphor of these three kingdoms, the human kingdom, the animal kingdom, and the reptile kingdom. And so that's a fun book, and that's free on the website. Um, there's all all categories of things you can read about on the website, politics and religion and weird religion, and there's a lot of interviews we've conducted with experts. And it's just a fascinating contemporary look at where is religion and what is religion. Um, and then there's a book that came out October 19th, which is my my book, my uh, flagship fiction novel, which is suspense and it's controversial, um, and it's called Crisis of Faith. And that book, people can go and actually download the first four chapters of. And, uh, you know, it, it is a fast-moving story. It's a present-day terrorist attack on Manhattan on a mosque where several young women are killed, and it prompts the president to take the issue of religiously motivated terrorism more seriously. So it sets up a dynamic where the most powerful man in the world has to challenge the most powerful book in the world. Well, that sounds interesting. Uh, well, okay, great. Uh, I wanted to um, ask one question about uh, looking, we've looked back, now maybe look ahead. The idea of prophecies in the Bible, and of course, I, and I'm not just thinking of, of Revelation, which uh, was in the... the uh, Fourth uh, century was uh, considered very, very carefully before they put it into the canon of the Bible or the Council of Nicaea. They, they, it was kind of too weird for a lot of them, and they weren't sure it really served the, the purpose of the the book, which at least the New Testament, which was supposed to be um, exposition on salvation. Not, I don't know. But in any case, what, what is your opinion of, of prophecy? Have you edited any of those? Because no. a lot of those are not very pleasant. And they are consistently misinterpreted by just about everybody. So what, what say you? You know, the prophecies in the Bible, I mean, it just makes for some really, really interesting reading, and it goes to that whole uh, area of the great beyond, what we can really understand. Now, Revelation in particular, it's through a lens of violence or genocide, would predict something like a genocide of two billion people. So do I like it there? No. Did Martin Luther like it there when he edited his version of the Bible? No. So it's not, and then when you read someone like Elaine Pagels who wrote a new book. Oh, one of my favorite authors, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And when she wrote her new book on Revelation explaining the political backdrop of what it really meant and a different way to interpret it, it's more understandable. So there are things like that that I struggle with along with hundreds of millions of Americans and wondering, you know, what, what, what you're supposed to learn from it and what you're supposed to do differently and all of that. So, um, you know, but, but certainly none of those verses. The only, the, the only uh, verses in the Pacific Bible that we um, um, archived into a different section involved things like um, slavery, rape, um, punishments where a father would have to eat a son or a son would have to eat a parent or um, I'm just not like, I studied the, I was in the seminary for 10 years I don't I don't accept much of what I but I never ran into that 
Well, I can direct you. Can you please? Because yeah, I'd, I'd like to see it, in, particularly in Hebrew. But All right. Well, in any case, uh, yeah, if you could drop me an email, I'd appreciate it. Oh, that I would love to do. Sure, please do. Um, okay, the uh, the issue of, uh, and again, there's, there's separate issues here between the, the Old Testament prophecies, which personally I do not think were meant for thousands of years in their future. I think they're pretty much talking about the Roman uh, destruction of the, of the place in 70 AD and, that, and thereabouts. Same thing with Revelation. Um, I don't know. What, what, do, what do you make of people who think that um, the uh, you know the end times are here? I mean, people have been saying that for a thousand years. I mean, maybe they are. It could oh, be any. I don't so know. Very true. So very, uh, oh, my gosh. Mount, Mount Vesuvius in 79 AD, the plagues and the fires, Halley's Comet. Right, um, 79, right. Oh, the witnesses prophecy with the Christ Kingdom and Pat Robertson's prediction from 1982. Yeah. Uh, uh, Heaven's Gate. You know, there's just to go on and on and on. And for a while, I attended a very fundamentalist Christian school for three years where we learned the Bible by rote. And that particular school predicted the end of the world at one point, that, you know, we were ready for the rapture. And um, the, honestly, I, I, I don't see any end to that. You know, there's this doomsday prediction now for December 21st and there are truly many people who who are expecting the world to end oh yeah people in france and spain are headed for the pyrenees and not all of them i hope but but i mean this is kind of what bothers me uh has always kind of bothered me about a more fundamentalist interpretation is that you know there's too much of the well, you know, I've been a failure in my life, or this or that, you know, but at least I'm better than those SOBs, you know, the ones who were not, quote, not saved. Unquote. That bothers me. Well, that's kind of the trend I was talking about when uh, uh, there are, there's a growing trend of literal literalism in the, in the Bible. And, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the growth of the part of the evangelical movement and and the speed at which it's growing and how it's preaching um, is is certainly contributing to more and more discrimination. And instead of Christianity becoming more peaceful and more accepting and more loving, it's becoming much more exclusive. Like we're better than you, or you're going to die. And well, not. is it it's not just Christianity? I mean, I hear that out of the mouths of people of many different religions. You know, my yeah. dog's better than your dog, or you're exactly. my god in this case. Exactly. Well, I just interviewed a guy who has a new film out called Hellbound. Have you, have you guys heard about that one? No. No. Oh, cool film, and it ta- it talks to some of these religious groups who are who are certain the end is near, and certain that certain of us are going to hell, and it really it shows the spectrum of Christianity and and how. Some Christians, you know, are uh, believing that hell is maybe maybe it's a temporary place or maybe it's a, a smaller form of punishment. Some are believing, you know, it's... Purgatory. Oh, eternal damnation or there's a whole wide range of things. But there are many, many people who are certain today which ones of us are not going to be making it through the pearly gates. That's very arrogant, in my opinion. Well, most of them yeah. don't have any sort of theological training. Well, I think some of the worst ones have theological training. Well, uh, you know, one of the things that, that you might find interesting, uh, Eliza, is uh, our subject for several shows in the past six months has been poltergeists. All right? And uh, I have had some pretty knockdown, drag-out experiences with them in 
42 years of doing this stuff, and it's um, I, I, you encounter ones who frequently will quote the Bible. And what are we dealing with here? Now, I don't believe they're demons or servants of Satan. They're, they're life forms that are they're part of nature. They're, they're parasitical, and they're, they're, we, we get into that in a lot of the shows. But uh, in any case, whatever they are, one of the buttons they use t- seems to be the Bible from time to time. And I'm thinking particularly of the uh, one case I didn't, I'm not quite this old, uh, 1817 to 1821, which was the Bell Witch case in Tennessee. And one of the things this, this poltergeist did, or actually there were, I think, four of them, would quote not only the Bible in a beautiful speaking voice, uh, it would quote word for word every sermon from every church in Robertson County. So uh, I think that those who are arrogant about these things should think of that, uh, because they're just the people who would consider these demons. So again, perhaps another, another bit of a paranormal connection there. Exactly. Right. So, okay. Well, Elijah, uh, thank you so much for being with us. It's very interesting. I, I don't agree with what you're doing, but that's my personal opinion. I think I ought to be left alone. But hey, what what the heck do I know? <laughs> Any further comment, Ben? Uh, no, I'm good. It was very interesting having you on. And uh, please uh, drop me an email with some of those references. Maybe we can get a little dialogue going there. Um, if you don't have, a, you have our show address, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. It's on the website, and uh, your, your publicist can give it to you. She's a very dear friend of ours. Well, very good to talk to you, and uh, we'll be following your progress. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. Oh, you're welcome. Okay. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, good night. Very unusual guest. Okay. Well, we have time for a few emails, maybe, or at least one or two anyway. So let's, uh, let's deal with a question. This one is from uh, Courtney Milligan in New York City. All right, so Courtney writes to us. Uh, love you, Paul and Ben. Well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> there is a lot of talk about portals, and I have even heard you talk about them on Coast to Coast. I know parasites and other beings can come through them. I hear you talk about escaping through them, but can people get sucked into them without wanting to, and do you know about any cases where that happened? Oh, yeah, of course. There's a lot of very interesting questions in there. You know, actually, Courtney, uh, I've actually tried that. Um, I'm thinking in particular of... Well, several cases where audible, you know, sounds would come from an unseen source. Uh, we talk very often about the uh, Pomfret, Connecticut case of uh, the Village of Voices case of 1971, where a bunch of us stood there and we heard the ox cart driver going by and a number of other things that we couldn't see. And I have found that if you run toward those sounds, you get to where you think it is and it's just over there. Or you run over there and it's just over there. And I, as far as I know, never got sucked into a parallel world because of that. But it sort of made me think of Einstein's contention that space and time are curved. Because, you know, and and that's just what kind of made it make sense. You can't quite get there from here, so to speak, when it comes to these things. Uh, Portals, for those who might not be familiar with the term in the paranormal context, really are supposed to be doors between, well, some, most people consider it, you know, this world and the spirit world or whatever, but we don't believe in the spirit world in, the, in, in that sense. We believe there are many, many, many other worlds, perhaps an infinite number, uh, in the uh, quantum physics notion of parallel worlds. In other words, we think that's what explains the paranormal. We, the worlds impinge on each other and we see their inhabitants who are perfectly alive, probably per- perfectly physical, they're not spirits, going about their lives and sometimes there's contact and that's the way we kind of see it so uh, the the whole portal thing kind of has bothered me a little bit because uh, my vision uh, and my experience of 
paranormal phenomena is when worlds seem to overlap, not so much doors between them, but an overlapping where the two worlds kind of blend. But there really do seem to be portal areas that seem to be kind of special in this context, and you can travel back and forth. Now, now, now you're, now, I don't know if it's not that easy, but you're, and I always worry about that with Ben, because he will sometimes go into a meditative states or sometimes something deeper than that, and I'm, you know, there, there have actually been people who reportedly have disappeared uh, in that situation, and, and I don't want to see that happen on my son, but... What uh, we uh, are aware of in, in our files are records of people who have been uh, walking or running or have been in a group or have been uh, well, well seen by other people and have simply disappeared. Sometimes they have been found in other countries uh, in, at a time when they, they would never have had a chance to traverse the distance. There was one case in Mexico City where... Uh, Oh no! This the one in Mexico City it was just well recorded from the 1600s of a soldier who was walking uh, his post uh, in Mexico City and literally disappeared. Suddenly found himself in the Philippines, which had only just been colonized by Spain, and the people noticed. The people there noticed his uniform was wrong because they, they, apparently each of the colonies they had their own instinctive uh, dis, uh, insignia and things of this kind. And he told them he'd just been in Mexico City. They thought he was a flake. And uh, but sure enough, inquiries, which of course took a long time to do because of the distances, it turned out that the guy was correct. And they, they, they had considered him a deserter. But then there he was, and they figured it was uh, some kind of miracle. And he went back to Mexico City and kept walking his post. But there are much more modern contexts of these things. There are reports of people who are driving their cars. The car dis- the car goes into a fog, and they come what about out the old guy who like did, What about the old man who like disappeared, and then he showed up like, 30 years later or something, got hit by a car. Yeah, that's happened too. There have been people who have appeared, and I'm aware of of several cases from the Tokyo International Airport. I can't exactly remember the dates of them, but they were in modern times since the 60s, in the 50s or 60s, when people would appear there with no passports from countries that never existed, coinage and money from the same countries that never existed in our time anyway in our world uh, clothing uh, made of textiles nobody could identify uh, in both cases they, they went crazy or, or were put away in psychiatric hospitals and nobody knew what to do uh, in one case person was killed and this is um, this sort of thing does happen so these portals if that's what this is do tend to uh, wreak some kind of havoc from time to time so that's the best way we can answer that Courtney uh, you want to do one more here Ben Oh, it doesn't have to be so long. No, I'm looking for a short. Here's a very short. Okay, okay thank All you. Right. This is from Martin in Oakland See, County, Missouri. if we had more than five minutes, Michigan, I, 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 I would just say, let's go for it, but we only have five minutes. Oakland so. County, Michigan. Okay, so, dear Paul and Ben, I look forward to your podcast every week. I do not agree with everything you say, but I think you have a really uh, important insight uh, that will take us to a new understanding, whatever that means. Well, thank you. Uh, I, we'll am, I am wondering whether you know of any uh, ghost hunting teams. I know you don't. You do not like the term uh, that use your theories in their investigations. And what is the result? Oh, that's the second time we've been asked that lately. No, someone actually used the theories. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was a lot. That was like an email from like a few weeks ago where someone actually used the theories and they thought we were like full of crap, and then they just decided, oh, hey, we're going to use your theories, and then they had like a, a horrifying result or something. Well, I hope that didn't happen. No, no, I, I mean like for them. 
Oh, no, so they had a good result. They had a good result, oh, okay. yes. But it was, <laughs> it was bad in the long term. They didn't disappear through any portals, right? No, okay. no. Good. Uh, well, certainly, Martin, th- this is a, a question that does arise. A lot of groups... I, and I suspect sometimes maybe they just want to be on the show. We don't allow a lot of them on the show. We have tried to have more serious people. Uh, although there are serious people out there doing this, and, and uh, I, perhaps I'm being unfair at times. But some have told us that they have been using our theories and methods, and I don't really know about that because we are not all that open with our, well, certainly with our theories, but not necessarily with our methods. Because, and, and someone actually wrote, oh, that's what, what, what I'm thinking of. Someone wrote in and asked if I was going to write a book about the theories and methods. No, so, there was so another the one, too, that use. was like, we use your theories and methods and, and investigation. Yeah. And I was just like, wait a second, what? We don't even talk about our methods. Well, when we talk to people who say they do that, they, they strike me as really, they still don't get it, really. They don't understand the multiverse theories. They still think they're dealing with spirits, and it's just, it's, I don't know, people just well, cannot like trying, seem to escape. Well, it's like trying to speak a new language. I mean, you it is. Cut, cut them a little slack. <laughs> well, it is. It is like, and it's a whole different understanding from what we're used to. Yeah, I mean, it's like trying to learn, uh, like, ancient Sanskrit in, like, a week. Yeah. All right, well, so, so that's the thing. So we, we do know of some groups that do that. I do not intend to write a book on it because we do not encourage people to go out and get involved in this. If the paranormal comes to you... Uh, that's one thing, but if you go out seeking these things, they can be very dangerous. You can re- you can wreck lives, including your own, and it is not worth it. It's not like bird watching, as we're always saying. So, okay. Oh wait, no. Huh. Oh, oh, two minutes. Thank you, thank you, Mr. Producer. Huh. So, doing a great job as the producer here too. Oh, okay. So anyway, uh, well, let's uh, do our announcements, and uh, we'll you know please if you have any further questions on these things, you know, write in, send us. Uh, Emails, there's a form on our site, BehindTheParanormal.com, and there's also Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com and Ben at BehindTheParanormal.com. Okay. But don't feel don't feel like I don't talk to you because I don't get the emails back. I'll get to it. My, my email's messed up. So so anyway, now continuing, um, watch for news of the Necronomic Con, Providence, the H.P. Lovecraft Convention, set for August 23rd through the 25th, 2013 in Providence, and we'll be keeping you updated on that. Okay. Now, uh, again, BehindTheParanormal.com. Check out future guests, past guests, and there are over four, nearly 450 podcasts on that. Uh, so many thanks to our producer, as I say, Ben himself. And next week, December 17th, we will take the hour ourselves to talk about paranormal experiences of the saints, kind of in a canted way, kind of maybe related to what we said tonight. And some of the incidents attested to by witnesses are pretty spectacular. All right. So on a regular CBS edition on December 16th with my dad and I, We'll welcome author M.L. Curry to talk about the psychic experiences that accompany grief. Okay, so... Uh, so if you have any questions for us, as my dad mentioned, you can get those emails in now at paul at behindtheparanormal.com or ben at behindtheparanormal.com. And we leave you this evening with a thought from the great psychologist and student of the paranormal, Dr. Carl Jung. Even a happy life cannot be without a measure of darkness, and the word happy would lose its meaning if it were not balanced by sadness, unquote. Uh, it end now, but we still have like twenty seconds to kill. Twenty whole seconds. What are we gonna do? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe yeah. we could sword fight, duel, or, yeah, well, or yes, we could sing a song. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, maybe you could do the uh, do the honors. The farewell. Well, on that note, thanks for joining us on our incredibly strange journey and sailing with us. We will see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now. 
for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.